Well, good morning and welcome to PCC today. My name is Craig and I'm on staff here at PCC and we're really glad that you're here today. Um, if you are fifth grade and under, we're going to invite you to make your way to the back of the auditorium where the uh, teachers will be there to receive you and take you to your class. Um, it's great to have the opportunity to worship together uh, here today, all of us uh, together, as we, as we pray, as we have music, scripture reading, uh, a time of just simply being together. Uh, today we continue in our series, A Journey Through Lent, a, a journey where we seek to open our hearts and open our minds to God's grace and the celebration that we have through prayer and love and sacrifice and confession and fasting and giving. Uh, it's an opportunity for us as individuals and as a community of believers to come together and honestly examine our lives in light of God's Word, and then to live our lives accordingly and, and work toward becoming more and more like Christ as we submit our lives to the Lord. We began last week with a prayer from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. It's a couple of verses that uh, we are inviting us to, to pray through together as our prayer uh, as we enter into this journey. And so, as a, a body of believers, as a community of faith today, um, I'm going to invite you to say this prayer and to read this prayer uh, to the Lord together this morning. And so, let's, let's pray this text as our prayer as we begin. Let's pray. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And as we seek to allow the Lord to lead us in His way everlasting, we will begin to see Jesus in the ordinary things of life, in the mundane, in the familiar, and we make those available to Him. And as we do, we will see how God is willing to take our normal, ordinary things and make them extraordinary. And He can do that in our lives as well as we make ourselves available to Him. It's what we discovered last week when we looked at the miracle at Cana in Galilee when Jesus turned the water into wine. We saw that Mary knew who to ask for help. The servants, they trusted Him. They did what uh, Jesus told them to do. And the result was amazing. Not only was the family shared, or, or spared uh, shame uh, and Jesus received glory, but the disciples put their faith in Him. And that's the amazing thing to remember is that all the things that were happening there was to show us that from the very beginning, Jesus was showing His desire of how He wants us to walk in relationship with Him in every aspect of every moment of every day of our life. Today we enter into week two of our Lenten journey as we approach Easter. And as we approach Easter and we go through this process, the idea is that we will come to Easter with an increased appreciation and love for who God is and what He's done for us through Jesus. And in the wonder and awe and all the joy that we experience on Easter Sunday morning will not be confined to simply one day, but it will be something that goes with us and continues every day of our lives. This week's journey uh, allows us to go through and explore the idea of obedience and the still small voice. In your Linton devotional, which is available on the connect table on your way out, or you can download it from the website, uh, we will be challenged this week to be still, to be silent, and to allow God to speak to us. Uh, there's going to be opportunities for you to participate in that this week. Uh, Thursday, specifically, is going to challenge you to participate in the practice of silence. On Wednesday, you're going to read the story uh, about Elijah. And, and Elijah is who we're going to dive into here uh, this morning in our text. So I invite you to grab your Bible, if you would, and turn to the, the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. 
We'll be in chapter 19. And if uh, a blue Bible is somewhere close to you, that'll be on page 255. And we're going to look at, at this man who was, who was serving God and saw God do some pretty big and amazing things. And he really needed God to show up in ways in his life. But what will happen is something that I don't think Elijah expected. Because God showed up in an unexpected way. In our busy and fast-paced, um, overcrowded, self-important lives, we may just discover that, that God wants to show up in our lives as well. And you may just discover that God wants to show up in your life, maybe just in a way that you don't expect. For instance, I invite you to consider this. Silence. A blank slide. 30 seconds was all that was of nothing. Now, don't raise your hand. Okay, this is not a self-confession. This is an introspection. But how many of you during that brief little time thought, what's happening? Or what's supposed to be on the screen? Or, is he waiting on something? Is he okay? Right? How many of you thought something like that? Or, or in your mind, you're like, uh, should I turn around? Does somebody need something? Right? That's where our brains go in moments like that. Right? We're not very good at stillness. We're not very good at silence. Moments like those, they are uncomfortable for us. There's so much noise and activity in our lives that... Silence and stillness is often seen as a missed opportunity or or something should be happening and we're just, you know, we're not being productive or or whatever. We live in a fast-paced culture where we hurry during the commute. We hurry to find the shortest line in the grocery store. We hurry to secure a parking spot. We hurry to get to the game or to the meet or to the dance or to the party or to the appointment or to the activity or to this thing or that thing. We are on the go. We have our cell phones. We even have our our watches now that will keep us connected and up-to-date and to everything that's going on. We tweet. We Instagram. While the cool people Snapchat, the less cool, we update our status. Uh, we, we have the, the radio on in our car all the time. In the stores, there's music. In restaurants and often in our homes, the TV is on. In the elevator, there's this really bad saxophone covers of 1990s pop songs going on. In the gym or at your desk or while you're doing homework or you're going to bed or walking through the house, you've got your headphones on. We are not good at silence. We are not good at stillness. It's true for me. I would guess it's probably true for you as well. And I would suggest that so often in the noise of life, we really don't hear anything. And while this is something we've talked about before, I would guess that we need to be reminded of it once again. I I know I do. And as I say often, I preach to myself and invite you to listen. And that is very true today as well. In the Old Testament book 
of 1 Kings, we find one of my favorite Bible characters, a guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God who'd been called by God to go to the king of the land, King Ahab, and tell him that there would not be rain or dew in the land except by Elijah's word. So it wasn't going to rain or dew again until Elijah said so, is basically what he was saying. Now, Ahab was known as the king who did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of the kings who came before him. And if you know anything about the kings that came before him, that was very difficult, a very difficult thing for him to do. And yet he did. In his 22-year reign as king, to say that he was a bad man would be a, you know, a Gross understatement, right? He was a really bad man. So Elijah, the prophet of God, after he shares this less than encouraging news with King Ahab, uh, the king didn't like him very much to begin with, uh, Elijah leaves town and goes out to live by a a brook where he could drink water. And why is that important? Because there's not going to be any rain, right? Okay, so he's by this brook. And what happens there is God sends birds every day to feed him. Ravens bring him bread and ravens bring him uh, uh, meat to eat. Now, there's a lot more to that story that we're not going to get into. That's another story for another day. And then, when the brook dries up because there's no rain, uh, God leads him into uh, the, the village where a widow woman and her son provide him with water and food from a flour jar and an oil jug that even though they are empty by God's provision, they never run dry. That too is another story for another day, but you can read about that as well. And after three years without rain, God sent Elijah back to the kingdom where Ahab was king. And there's a lot of the story that to kind of set up where we're going to go today, so I'm going to summarize it because there's really too much to cover. Ahab's a bad man. Check. He was married to Jezebel, who was a worse woman. Check. Uh, Jezebel wanted Elijah dead. A huge confrontation on top of Mount Carmel where uh, the, the prophet of God, Elijah, and the 850 prophets of Baal or Baal, they're up there. Uh, they're under Jezebel's direction. They have this clash. 1 Kings 18 tells us that Elijah cries out to God. God sends down fire from heaven, proving he's the one true God. All the prophets are killed, and the rest of the people bow down and worship the Lord. That's really great news, right? Yay, Elijah. Yay, God. Except that Jezebel is really ticked now, right? And so Jezebel issues a death threat to Elijah. And how does Elijah respond? Elijah's like, hey, I got God on my side. You know what? I got this. No, Elijah doesn't. Actually, he runs away. Elijah is scared, fears for his life, and he runs away. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, Elijah says this uh, to God. I've had enough, Lord. (laughs) Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. After everything that had happened, right? And I summarized it really quick. But God had shown up in Elijah's life in some amazing ways. He's fed by ravens. He was provided a place to stay with the widow woman and her son to have food uh, during the famine. He'd been protected from Jezebel and her cronies for years. Uh, He prayed for and then watched as God answered his prayer and sent down fire from heaven. And despite all these things, all the things that God had done for Elijah and for his nation, Elijah was tired and he didn't want to go on. And the question that I wrestle with, and I pose to you as well, is have you ever felt like that? In the noise of your life, in the day-to-day routine, have you ever felt done? Just done. I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of having the same conversations. I'm tired of feeling like my job is not making a difference. I'm, I'm losing hope that things will ever change. Uh, you just kind of feel like that, that everything's going to continue the way it is and that there's no end in sight and what you really want is some peace and 
quiet. Elijah went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, they've rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. God, just in case you didn't know, that's what's happening. And the Lord said, okay, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. We're going to need a little audience participation here, okay? Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but and after the earthquake came a fire, but the and after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. God shows up and says, I'm here. And in a whisper, Elijah had seen all these big things done by God, right? But in that moment, he needed to be reminded and he needed to be reassured that God was there in the silence. That he was there in the stillness. Elijah needed to be reminded that even though he serves a God who shows up big, God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. But he shows up in a gentle whisper. Elijah had to be still and had to be quiet in order to be reminded that even his very name in Hebrew means my God is Yahweh. He had to be reminded of that truth. And it took obedience from Elijah to hear that still, small voice of the Lord. To finally hear from God in the way that he needed to hear from him. Now, in my life, and I would guess this is probably true in your life as well, at one time or another, and maybe that time is right now, that you would really like God to show up in some big ways, right? You've got a laundry list of things that, God, if you could just kind of take care of these things, life would be better, life would be grand, because we want God to make things better. We want him to right wrongs. We want him to stop evil and to grant peace and to stop injustice, provide freedom. We want him to make life grand. We want God to shatter rocks, don't we? We want God to shake the earth and to burn up things with his righteous fire, to perform miracles. And yet, too often, we don't stop. We're not still. We're not quiet. And too often in my life, and and maybe in yours as well, it just prohibits me from hearing the whisper. That still small voice of God. Because I think often what we what we listen for is is the the booming, majestic, powerful James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman type voice of God, right? I mean, wouldn't we pay attention if that's what we heard? Yeah, of course we would. And we try to hear it. That's what we're focused on. And too often we don't hear it and then we get frustrated and then we get discouraged and we have doubts and we wonder, well, does God really care? Is God really going to show up? Is God going to do anything in this situation? 
when maybe what we need to do is become aware of how God shows up in the quiet, in those stillness moments, in small and yet glory-filled ways. When Jesus was baptized, God sent a dove. When miracles were performed, often they were done with, with utter simplicity. When Christ gave His life, He did so willingly. Because the reality is, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Even if someone rises from the dead, people may still not hear what God is trying to say to them, what He is saying to us. This week, our journey is into the stillness and into the quiet and into the silence. And one of the reasons we take this journey is so that what we experience on Easter Sunday morning will, be a, will not be confined to one day of celebration, but will continue into every day of our lives. And if we fail to slow down and to be still and to listen to God, we may not hear Him. In Eugene Peterson's book, The Contemplative Pastor, he quotes Annie Dillard who says, The silence is all there is. It is not a silence of absence, but of presence. It is not a sterile silence, but a pregnant silence. The non-human silence is not because there is nothing to say, but because in disobedience or unbelief or sheer terror, we ask God not to speak, and He heard our prayer. But though unspeaking, God is still there. What is needed from us is witness. A witness that speaks from obedience. And for many of us, if not all of us, a good place to begin practicing that obedience is by asking God to reveal Himself. By inviting Him to speak to us. By taking time and investing a moment to be silent and to be still before the Lord. Back in 2014, um, here at PCC, we interviewed various people and asked them to share part of their story. Part of their story uh, of life, of faith, of struggle, uh, of triumph. One person we interviewed was uh, Alex Raskin. And she shared this thought. She said, you have to look for God because no matter what, He is there. Even if you don't want him there. And especially if you do. Those are powerful words if you will allow that to sink into your life. Christ is here. Right here and he is calling you to be obedient He's longing to show you that He is Lord. And He may not show up in some big, dramatic way. Instead, He may show up in the quiet, in the simple, 
and yet a profoundly life-changing way. Perhaps even through a whisper. A whisper that He is inviting you to hear. That's part of the journey on which we have been invited to walk. As we seek to discover and experience His life-changing love, to be obedient to Him as we seek to hear the still, small voice of God in our life. And here's what I would suggest to you. I would suggest that when you hear it, one of the first things you're going to hear God say to you is, I love you. You see, I would contend that's what God has been saying from the beginning of creation. It's what God says when he sent Jesus to earth for us because he's the full representation of who God is and his love for all of creation. He gave his life on the cross so that we could hear him yelling loudly, I love you. And when we participate in communion, we have the opportunity to say, God, thank you for your love for us. To be reminded that that still small voice is crying out to us every moment of every day. I love you. My body given for you. My blood shed for you. Remember and hear Jesus say, I love you. And when we take of the bread which represents his body and we take of the juice which represents his blood, we we drink it and, and we partake of those things that we are responding to his love by being a witness to what he has done in our lives and we continue to proclaim what he has done for us until he returns. So as believers, we invite you to participate. We invite you to partake. The ushers are going to pass the trays. And we're going to partake in relative silence, in relative stillness. As Psalm 46.10 says, to be still and know that He is God. And we want to provide you with that glimpse and that opportunity to do that here this morning. And so in the quiet, in the relative stillness, we invite you to seek the Lord, to celebrate, and to remember what he has done for us today. Ushers, when you're ready, please pass the communion trays. One of the things that we believe to be true is that God calls us to respond to Him. He calls us to take what we know about Him and and even the things we don't know about Him and to, to respond to what He's doing in our life. And we have the privilege of extending His invitation to you and inviting you to walk in obedience with Him. And maybe today for you, uh, today is the day to repent of your sin and, and to begin walking with Him. Part of this this journey through Lent is for us to examine our hearts and, and to lay our hearts bare to the Lord and, and to recognize the various ways in which we have not made Him Lord. As followers of Christ, it's something we are called to do each and every day of our life, but it's a special emphasis during this season of the year to have a time of repentance and confession. 
and mourning over our sin and, and asking God to, to change our life. Maybe for you, you're not yet a follower of Christ and, and maybe today is the day that you surrender to Him for the first time and you proclaim Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe for you, the, the step is the step of obedience and baptism. And you surrender to Him in that way. You, you recommit your life to Him. Maybe, maybe that's the step for you to walk in obedience, is to recommit your life and make Him Lord. Maybe it's inviting someone to walk down this journey with you. Invite them to church, to invite them to Bible study, to invite them just to share life, to walk together. Maybe it's to ask someone to pray with you or for you. Maybe for you it's, it's just simply to commit to taking this journey this week because you know that silence and stillness is not something in which you're good at doing, you don't like to do it, it's uncomfortable, and maybe it's exactly where God wants you to be. Just because you didn't participate in you know, the Lenten journey the first week doesn't mean you can't start today. It doesn't mean you can't join it. If you missed one day, it doesn't mean that you failed and it's over. No, God will meet you where you are and walk with you through that process. We create spaces for God to speak. And we invite you to do that as well. The band's going to lead us in this song of response. And if you want to talk to someone about anything I've mentioned or, or anything else, you want someone to pray with you or just to talk with them, I invite you to make your way over here toward the cross where members of the leadership team and prayer team would love to, to meet with you and just pray with you and encourage you and, and to begin walking with you. I'm going to invite you to stand where you are. Let's worship together through this song. And if you want to talk to someone, make your way over here. We would love to receive you there.